as long as you stay consistent on the path, on the road, what you're doing and stay focused, this is totally possible for anybody. Welcome to Start the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Join us today is my good friend, Chris Murphy from ShovelCloud.com. What is happening? And of course, we're joined by another good friend. She's from EverySingleDollar.com. We're going to find out a little bit more about that. It's Jessica Garbarino. Hey, Jessica. Hey, how are you all doing? Hi. Ah. And then we've got the best. I mean, we're, we're bringing in the best. It is the best. And her name is April Best <laughs> from DiscoverFreedomProject.com. Hey, April. Hello, hello. All right. So let's start with April as she passes the mic. Yeah, April's dropped the mic, right? She's not afraid. <laughs> so April, welcome to Atlanta, Georgia. Let's talk about Thank why you. you're in Atlanta, Georgia. And this is kind of a sudden thing for you, right? Like at Should the beginning be- of this week, did you know you were going to be in Atlanta, Georgia? I did not. All right. So why? Tell us Tell us what's going on. I don't know. There was a free ticket and I was like, I have one sick day left at work. And <laughs> you look so- you look really I got launch out Healthy. fever. What <laughs> <laughs> launch out fever. So uh, I left at 4:40 this morning and nice. uh, texted my boss at eight and said, "I'm sick today, and now I'm here." So we need to make sure that this does not get to him or they're, her. They're not going to see. Yeah, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have no worries about that. Where are you based out of? Southern Indiana. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, I came from Nashville about the same time this uh-huh. morning. So that's that's quite a haul. Seven had. hours. <laughs> And we want the record to reflect that we do encourage lying when it allows you to, <laughs> to have community. No, Chris? Well, I would have to say that if you feel like you need to launch out from your job, <laughs> that there's no greater way than to actually launch out from your job. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I may have just like done that on purpose, huh? Yeah. I think you just started your own conference where next week when you don't have a job, you can just wake up and go, I think today I will have my own little inspirational time. I think that sounds good. Okay, so the way this is going to work, April, is is we're going to put you on the hot seat, and our good friend Jessica Garbarino is going to ask you a couple questions, and uh, Jessica, you get to kick off with with April's on the hot seat. What do you want to What do you want to ask her? I want you to talk a little bit about why or how you started your Discover Freedom project. I think it'd be an interesting story to understand that. Okay, I stumbled into it. Is what happened. I've been kind of bumbling around with a lot of different things through the past couple of years. And uh, last year, I just kind of came across this phrase of, this doesn't define me. So I have beat depression. I've beat anxiety. I am five-year survivor of cancer. And I decided that those things don't define me and that everybody else needs to stop letting things define them. So why don't we all just discover freedom together? So that's where it kind of started from. Okay, you just said a lot right there, and I'm just thinking, okay, I struggle with all of that, except for cancer. Wow, so someone right now who's struggling, what do you say to them? I say that it's possible. It's hard work, and so you need someone who isn't going to kind of BS you and tell you that it's going to be okay and you know, just keep waiting and everything's going to be better. You have to take action, and you have to care enough to do something about it, and it's not easy. It's a lot of hard work. It took me, it's been eight years since I voluntarily put myself into a three-week intensive outpatient program for anxiety and depression. And it's the best thing that I could have ever done for myself. Before I did that, I was going home from work to take naps at lunchtime. I was leaving early. It was pretty bad. I just like I literally couldn't function anymore. And so I, as a planner, (laughs) decided six months in advance I was going to this program and I had to raise money. 
And then friends and family gave me some money and I had to live in a hotel for three weeks while I learned all of these coping skills and things. And I literally took a step out of my life and then I came back after I'd learned how to cope with it. And you have to love yourself enough, which you might not at that moment, but you have to see what has to be done to get better. When you put yourself in that situation, you plan for six months to be there, to be in that hotel room for those three weeks. Mm -hmm. Yes. You had to put yourself into an... I guess for lack of a better term, an awkward situation because you weren't around what made you comfortable. You weren't at your home. Yes. You weren't around your people. Which is a big part of anxiety (laughs) is you like to be in control of things. Ah. So I intentionally stepped out. I kind of made it worse, I guess, to find out how to make it better. To make it worse, to make it better. Mm -hmm. So would you recommend that for other people as well to extricate themselves from things that I would. You can't see things until you're looking at it from a different perspective. And I would also encourage people to check out your insurance. I think people think that it's unattainable to do this kind of thing. And my insurance paid for a large majority of it. So then with your Discover Freedom Project, what do you envision for that going forward? Like, How do you see it in the future? I envision it just giving people permission to find freedom. So I think a lot of people, especially maybe moms, feel stuck. And I'm not a mom, so I don't know where that's coming from. But <laughs> I do know that that's probably where a lot of people feel or, or men who feel stuck in their jobs just providing. You have permission to find freedom and to find the things that make you happy. And you're actually doing a disservice to the people around you if you're not living out who you are. Because who I was depressed was miserable to be around. And who I am now is pretty fabulous. And I would be robbing the world of like all of these amazing things that God made me. If I wasn't embracing the originalness that is me and kind of just saying, hey, take it or leave it, but this is me. When you decided to get help, again, it was a process for Mm -hmm. you. Any advice to somebody out there that may be considering something like that, but they don't know if they're at the level where I don't know if I need to go get treatment, but I know Mm -hmm. that it's not getting better. Mm -hmm. Where were you at and where do you recommend other people start to seek that? guidance or help from somewhere else? I would think first go to just your primary care doctor. He can give you uh, maybe a good referral. I had a good one. He prescribed me some medications kind of to help stabilize things while I helped me not completely fall apart before I could find help. But also you have to just keep trying. So not every counselor is a good counselor. I went through a bunch of crappy ones and I thought, oh my goodness, like I know my problems better than these people. Like I don't understand how they're practicing. So like don't get discouraged just because you tried once. Like, you've got to try harder than that. <laughs> Would you be willing to tell the story of your breaking point where you knew, okay, now, now I have to make something happen here? Sure. I was living with a roommate and all of my friends had moved away. We'd been graduated from college for a few years and I was just feeling really alone and like I didn't have any support. I, was, I had a lot of, well, I have mental health issues. I mean, I take medication every day. And so I had a lot of maybe unrealistic thoughts in my head. And so I thought life should be a certain way because that's how my brain told me my life should be. But whenever I got treatment and my, my, the chemicals in my brain got balanced, I realized, oh, like I wasn't living life realistically at all. And I was thinking that it should be one thing when it's really another thing. And I think that, and so I just fell apart, honestly. I think I was very close to losing my job. I was a mess, <laughs> honestly. For those that are just tuning in, she had called in sick. (laughs) She thought she was about to lose her job. 
No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I'm just well, kidding. that was yours. <laughs> I know. I know. I, what is freedom to you? Freedom is not having to apologize for who you are. I mean, it's also just embracing every single part of you. There isn't a question that anyone can ask me that I'm not going to answer. So I think it's just kind of taking the shame away is freedom. Quick question for you on the medication yeah. uh, route. I have had to take medication as well in the past. And one thing that got me over the hump when it comes to thinking about taking something that is going to alter something, like why can't I just get through it on my own mm-hmm. sort of thing? Somebody made, the, somebody made the comparison that it's kind of like a bridge and that you've got everything that you need, but sometimes that bridge can help connect both sides mm-hmm. to make it more yes. whole so things can flow across like yes. they should be. Yes. Is that a similar way that you saw? Yeah. The reality there? Yes. I read a book called uh, Blue Jeans, blue and like the color blue and then jeans like G-E-N-E-S. <laughs> and um, it kind of talks about, you know, how you're, you're wired a certain way and you might have everything there, but you need that extra help to do that. And also, as far as medications, I would encourage people, don't give up. You'll find the right, the right mix for you. It just, some may make you feel worse than others, but don't give up on there's something out there. Sure. Yeah. That was something that I didn't know either. I just thought that the doctor would know everything and he would, or she would prescribe that one medication and everything would work magically from there on out. But sometimes that's a process of days or weeks or months to find the right one. It's not a magic pill. And for me, it's several pills. Sure. For someone who's listening, who might be feeling like they're depressed, what would you say to them? That there's hope that something I like to say is that Satan wins when we're silent. So the moment I began talking about everything is when I kind of started to feel freedom and, and healing. And uh, talking about it certainly doesn't totally bring healing because people, I mean, if you're coming from a victim mentality, people are just going to get tired of you talking about it. But if you start talking about it in the hopes that you want to learn and become free, then it really does shut Satan up and give you room for truth. What is the reaction when you talk to people about your story? Because I'm sure there's people who, if they're also feeling that same way, can connect with you. But then I'm sure there's some people who are kind of, have you had any negative reaction when you tell your story? Because I can imagine if some people are damaged enough, they may not want to hear what they're, what you're saying. I see what you're saying. No, not to my face. (laughs) Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) No, but I could see, I could see that. Well, Mm -hmm. that would be just like the victim mentality coming Mm -hmm. across. And I could sit down with them and I can say, okay, I see it this way. And I see it that way. I could see how that could happen, but no, not yet. Everybody loves it. When I hear Discover Freedom Project, it sounds like something that's not going to be a one and done kind of thing, but no. it's an ongoing. What is the plan for the Discover okay. Freedom Project? So if you go to discoverfreedomproject.com, maybe like backslash, is that it? Forward slash, one of the slashes gallery. There are like 50 entries from people like Jessica who kind of share what they have discovered freedom from. So they take a selfie, they make a meme, and it says, oh, she says uh, she became debt free and she wrote out all the things that she became debt free from. People have shared that abortion doesn't define them anymore, that they're not going to let being a mom and uh, a housewife define them anymore. Just all of these things that they aren't going to allow to define them anymore. And so it really is a project. It's something that I want people to kind of embrace and to show other people. Uh, We also feature stories of people. So most recently we featured people have shared about like miscarriages and how they've kind of overcome that kind of thing. So there are articles on the blog portion that are from other people. So it's called Real People Sharing Real Stories. That's a question for Jessica. Jessica, what was your experience like going through the Discover Freedom Project? Well, it was interesting because April made a call out for people to 
you know, talk about what they discovered freedom from. And I'm thinking, God, what did I mean? I don't. And then I thought, well, I mean, releasing yourself from debt is a huge thing. So sharing my story about paying off $56,000 of debt, becoming debt free and sharing that with others. It was really wonderful. And to be able to share that with people that I knew and who didn't know me either. It was it was a fun project to be a part of. Wow. Becoming debt free with $56,000 in debt. How long did that take you? Well, that's an, a whole story in and of itself because I started in January of 2010. I had discovered Dave Ramsey through a friend of mine at his whole Financial Peace University. And I had started on the debt-free path and I had been projected to be done in less than two years, hopefully about two years. And then of course, life happens. <laughs> so what happened was is that my grandparents ended up having some medical issues and I decided to move down to South Florida to be with them to help take care of them. I was able to do my job from a distance, but on contract basis, but then that dried up, which then led to my also my house being put into foreclosure back in Minnesota. Wow. And then I finally landed work. And by that time, I had lost my home. And quite honestly, I became deflated. I lost all of my motivation because I, I just kind of wanted at that point to be steady Eddie. Being in the emotions of being a caregiver and then also trying to emotionally gear your head to attack debt is like, it was just too exhausting for me. So I kind of studied it for a while. And then um, one of um, April's and my mutual friends, Kevin Buchanan, put out a in one of our Facebook groups, put out a, a, a kind of a call to action and said, what are the things you want to do in the next five years? And I was like, well, that's easy. I, I want to get rid of this debt. Like, I, I really just need to like attack and get rid of it. So in 2014, I kind of really restarted it. And about a year ago, I finished paying off the debt. So wow. it took five years, but there's this whole adventure <laughs> in between. So I think my message of paying off debt is that if you don't get it done in a certain time frame, that's not the point. It's that you actually finish it. I'm, I'm a great person at starting things. I'm terrible at completing. So the fact, <laughs> Amen, that, I actually, the fact that I actually crossed the finish line was amazing. So um, I was very proud of myself for doing that. And now I hope to inspire other single women. And that's my focus because I didn't feel I had that role model in the world to inspire other um, single women to take control of their financial life and to help it so that they can create their own you know, dreams in their own life, you know, because that was really holding me back from doing what I really wanted to do with my life. So how does that freedom feel now being completely debt free? It's amazing. I actually wrote about it on my blog just this past week. And I was talking about the things that I've been able to do. Like last year, my cousin's like, Hey, we're going to go to Haiti with some of my friends because they have this school. I'm like, do you want to come? Sure. I mean, I have the money to do it now. I've got, I'm working a contract job, which gives me flexibility with my vacation. So I was able to go and touch the lives of these people, which, as you know, when you do anything mission-related, you, you probably get more than what you give to them. So it was a wonderful experience. Not having to worry about money, being able to start a side hustle of this, you know, every single dollar that I hope to have fully launched at some point. There's just more freedom in what you're able to do with your life and how you want to do it on your terms. Because I don't have a weight hanging over my head. So that's been my, the biggest... Jessica, you, you mentioned how you've started other things and it kind of phased out, but there was something about you really being focused on this debt that worked, that clicked, that allowed you to really be consistent. Do you know what that was? I think you really have to have that I've had it moment. I mean, I just got so disgusted with the debt that, and my story was that I was watching my grandmother. My grandparents are from Cuba. My mom is from Cuba as well. 
And I was watching her balance her checkbook. This woman should have been an accountant because she's so meticulous with her money. And I was just, as I was watching her, I thought, I thought of all the stories of them coming over from Cuba. I thought of them, of all the struggles, everything they had to leave behind. They paid off $55,000 of their house in one year. I mean, to me, and I, was, and I was watching her and I thought, I am wasting everything that was given to me, all the opportunities, the struggles that they had here in the United States. I am throwing it away by not being responsible for my money. And so every time I would kind of go into a lull mode, I would think about them and think about what they had to do in order to make my life possible. And that's what kept me going. You have to have a really strong why, and you've got to really be kind of sick and tired of it, you know, to, of, of where you're at, whatever that is, if it's debt, if it's a relationship, whatever, you've really got to have that deep-seated conviction that it's, it's just not worth it anymore at that point. So... So Jessica, what do you think, um, like single women or men, like what are some specific unique challenges that they have whenever they're trying to get out of debt? So I think the biggest thing that people always, at least the biggest thing for me when I was getting out of debt is I always kept hearing this we, like a relationship. I don't have anybody that I'm talking with about my money. I don't have a spouse that I'm talking about, right? So it's tough. It's like, what do I do? Do Jekyll and Hyde? Like I go back and forth like this with me and say, well, what do you think? Well, I don't know. What do you think? You know, back and forth. So you're relying on yourself. You are making all of the decisions yourself about what job you're going to take. Are you going to make a move? Are you going, you know, what am I doing about insurance? What am I doing? So again, it's the, the solitariness of making those financial decisions. And again, there's also the benefit of that is that I don't have to mm-hmm. check in with anybody either about what financial decisions I'm making. But then also there's just, you know, certain things that I think about, like life insurance, for instance, I don't have children. Mm-hmm. So for me, and I have money set aside that if God forbid anything happened to me early on, my family would have the money to take care of burying me. But there's not a need for me, for instance, to have life insurance. So there's different things that you have to think about differently when you're a single person in relation to your finances. Than you do, I think, when you're married. Like long-term disability, big deal for me because if something happens to me and I I need mm-hmm. care, I can't put that financial burden on my family. So I made sure There's to no get long-term disability on. for right. myself. I got my own private plan for that. So there's definitely different. We have special financial issues that we have to deal with. <laughs> well, and I don't know if this is only for single people, but like as a single person who's in debt. It can be really easy for me to see, say, like, I don't care, like, whatever, whatever my credit score is, like, I'm just going to rent all the time. Like, I'm so tired of having to take care of myself. Like, it doesn't matter. Because you know? it's a burden, but you also don't think there's not, nobody else that's impacted by it, right? Because right. it's just you. Right. So it doesn't but, matter. But then again, I thought about, I've, ha- I've known people that I actually knew a woman who was, got injured while she was an expat overseas. And I actually got to see what the ripple effect was with her family Mm -hmm. and got to see, you know, thank goodness she had long-term disability. Thank goodness there was insurance in place because then your family has to take that all on. Right. You know, so there, there is a point that if something did happen to you, other people are going to have to step in. And if you're putting that financial burden on them, that's a lot for someone to take over and asking them to take over for you. And you know, that's not something I ever thought of. So see, yeah. So there are things, you know, that you can kind of put perspective on that. You wouldn't think Other about people. because, right. you know, even, you know, even when I talk to my friends that are married or even my, my family members, you know, they said, well, it would be difficult, but at least I would have the other spouse. And I'm, mm-hmm. I said, well, I have nothing else. So it's just me. Right. All right. So we're going to do a lightning round. I'm going to ask a question and then we're just going to go around the group and answer the question. How about that? So the question is, what is the best habit you've taken up from another person? 
What is the best habit you've taken up from another person? We'll start with you, April. Just hoping you wouldn't start with me. (laughs) What's the best habit I've taken up from someone else? I don't know. Thank you. (laughs) I would say I have just recently started praying and having gratitude in the morning, starting my day with that. I've stopped listening to the radio in the morning and just having some meditation and prayer in the morning for me has been very good for my focus throughout my day and to get me mentally prepared for the day. And I had a friend who was doing that and I thought, I'm going to do that. I think that's, that's beneficial for me. Okay, I'm ready. All right. So <laughs> I have a friend who always has people over at her house. She's, she's very much an extrovert. I'm an introvert. But I have never, ever felt more supported, even if I'm at her house watching TV. And so I think I've learned from her that you just kind of have to keep putting yourself out there and kind of keep inviting people into your life, whether or not they might stick around or not and just kind of enjoy the, the company and the community because we all need it. Even extreme introverts like myself, we kind of need that community to th- thrive. And I've just seen her do it so effortlessly, like I can't speak today. And so, you know, just trying that. You know what? I'm actually going to take a page out of my nine-year-old son's book. He is a, a student at a new school this year. And he really found his community. He really found the people that just like the move to get him in this school is just awesome. But he's really blossomed into this sweet. I mean, he's always been a sweet little kid, but he had some challenges that kept him from really being who he really was. And so now as he's getting in the car, uh, when I come and pick him up every afternoon, he will run around and he's just giving everybody hugs. And he's, he's doing a little, t- he's touching base with everybody. Even though he'll see him tomorrow, he goes around and gives all the people the hugs. And so I've learned from him, it's like, Leave your impression with somebody. I mean, even if you're going to see him tomorrow, like don't squander right now and just anticipating that I'll see him tomorrow. Like take a second and say, love you or see you tomorrow or it's good hanging out today. So my little guy is teaching me some stuff here recently. Jessica and April, I just want you to know I love both of you. And uh, (laughs) I I didn't want to let the opportunity go by without telling you that. Um, For me, the best habit that I don't know that's the best, but it's one that I've recently kind of taken up is a friend of mine, Jody, was had a habit of walking 10,000 steps every day with a Fitbit app on his phone. And I thought, you know what? There's no reason why I couldn't try that. So I've actually been going uh, 14 days now of every day, 10,000 steps. So I'm going to try to continue that pattern. But I mean, I was encouraged to do so because he talked about it. So I think that's a takeaway too, is be willing to share some of the things that you do that are working because that may encourage someone else to say, hey, me too. We're going to ask another question. We're going to start with Chris. Chris, what is the best thing that ever happened to you as a result of being nice? The best thing? Boy, the older I get, I've got a lot of time to look back on to pick out one here at the end of a podcast. This is a lot of pressure. You know, I tell you what, I think that uh, one of the things that my wife liked about me was that I was nice. I was a nice guy. I mean, there was plenty of people around that were uh, the bad boys. I did not fit that mold. And so I became more marriage material than dating material. And so I think that my, my marriage was something that happened because I genuinely wanted to learn more about her and hang out with her. So I'm going to have to uh, take the high road and say, my wife, and I'll, I'll get into some more like weird stuff later on, but like <laughs> my son, my wife, all that kind of stuff. The next question I have to answer my daughter, she's going to get really mad at me. So that's, that's my next answer, regardless of what you ask. I think the best thing that's happened to me from being nice is just the opportunities that have come up. So I don't have anything specific to say, 
But like, I just keep finding these amazing opportunities that kind of keep presenting themselves that magically, quote unquote, are kind of moving me forward in my my dream. And I think that's a result of just being a darn nice person most of the time. I'm trying to think because I don't, I never expect anything in return from being nice. I genuinely just do it because that's just what I think I should be doing and how, just how I am. I think along the lines, a lot of what April said, some of the opportunities that have come up, I just, you know, I do things because I genuinely care and I never ask of anything in return. And it's amazing what comes back to abundantly that you don't expect. And so it's kind of surprising. And sometimes I get a little weirded out if I have anything good that happens. And I can't, I don't even know if there's like a linchpin thing. I don't know. I think it's just like you said, opportunities that come along and that you're, I'm amazed at how generous people are back to you because of opportunities or how you've helped somebody out. I just can't think of one that I, I can think of that like is a lightning bolt. Well, I'll share a very quick one for me. And um, one of the reasons that both of you were asked to be on the podcast is because both of you are really nice. So oh, I, I really think that that could you. be one of the best things that ever happened to you is being on the podcast. But, uh, wow. Maybe that's not <laughs> that's true. That's amazing. In an effort to be humble, I say that. So I'm humble and proud of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> humble brag, right? For me, I, I, there was a few years back when I was in a job and I wasn't really happy or satisfied. And I came up with every reason why I should bolt. But I sensed, no, hang tight. Be cool. Cooler heads prevail. Be nice. Uh, do what you're supposed to do. And I did that for a season and uh, had some success, had some wins, and that organization later left for another opportunity, uh, which didn't ultimately work out. But because of doing the right thing the season before, it gave me an opportunity to come back as a contracted employee. And now in this position I'm in, uh, where I'm building a business and I'm working on some projects, it is so encouraging to know that I have a client, if you will, that I used to work for that is consistent income for me. And really the reason for that is sticking with it during a season that I didn't want to. And that's playing nice. And that's a good result that happened just because I was able to keep a, a reasonable mindset going through a time when I could have easily said, ah, I don't want to mess with this. So we're going to close with final thoughts. We always do this on Starve Without. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. And we're going to start with you, Chris, and we'll just work our way to Jessica and then April, you'll bring it home. But uh, if you have a final thought today, just a message, whether it's about Discover Freedom Project or everysingledollar.com or Shovel Cloud, Chris, whatever it is, let's just say our final thoughts and then we'll close it out. You know, one of the things that uh, hearing both of your stories is that small things can be big things. And then some of the big things in perspective can be small things as well that I know that sounds like I'm talking in circles. But, um, <laughs> Welcome to Logic with Chris Murphy. <laughs> Is this about your daughter? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's the answer. Yes. Uh, that, that's what I wanted to think. The closing remarks are, I love you, I thought Liv. this was like a circular reference in Excel that we were getting into. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think that uh, with both of you sharing your stories and being vulnerable, that it could be seemingly huge. But when you look back on it, it's like, I, I'm so glad I took those small steps every day to accomplish this big thing. And now here you are at the launch out conference and you are taking your message and practicing, giving it to the rest of the world. And I think that's such an amazing thing. And again, every day it may seem like you're doing a small step forward, but it can turn out to be something that can inspire others and change your own life and change others as well. So I applaud you ladies for doing that. I think my takeaway in talking about what I do and who I help. For my encouragement to people, and especially single women that I talk to, is that I don't have any super special powers. 
this is completely possible for anyone to do to become debt free. So don't think of it as this big, hairy, audacious goal that can never be achieved because like you had said, it's those small little steps in between that get you to the goal. When I was getting out of debt, I, I honestly didn't think it would actually even happen. And I was so looking forward to the day that I wasn't even enjoying the moment, the process of doing it, that when I got there, it was a little like, oh, this is what it is now. And I was almost a little disconnected. I wasn't even emotional at first. And then it really hit me later. But it, just that it's it's totally possible as long as you stay consistent on the path, on the road, what you're doing and stay focused. This is totally possible for anybody. So the small steps make big things is, is definitely one thing. But also just to say that what you do now affects what you are able to do later. So if eight years ago, I hadn't have taken a step out of my life and tried to refocus everything in 2010 when I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's, I don't know how I would have handled it because I, I had practiced for three years my coping skills. And so you have to think about being kind to the rest of your life in this moment. So people who think I don't have time to step out of my life, you don't have time to not step out of your life and to take care of what you need to take care of. Well said. April Best from discoverfreedomproject.com and Jessica Garbarino from everysingledollar.com. Thank you so much. I never expect anything in return from being nice. I genuinely just do it because that's just what I think I should be doing and how just how I am. I think along the lines, a lot of what April said, some of the opportunities that have come up, I just, you know, I do things because I genuinely care and I never ask of anything in return. And it's amazing what comes back to abundantly that you don't expect. I'm amazed at how generous people are back to you because of opportunities or how you've helped somebody out. 